Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. I'm joined by Steve Walsh. Hello. And this week we're talking babes of South London. So Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, Amara Karen. No, not really. <laughs> we're about I Maiden. had no preparation done for that. And if you asked me to name, I'd sort of go Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss. Amara Karen. And that, the Who's Amara Karen? I don't even know that. She's the uh, girl from the Darjeeling Limited Sweet Line. Oh, right. She's nice. She's from oh, she's so beautiful, man. Yeah, she's from Wimbledon. Um, okay. On my birthday, right? This was just before we met because I had my uh, snapped ankle ligaments. And uh, I couldn't walk for two weeks. I literally could not walk. And on my birthday, I went to see um, this Peckinpah double bill at the uh, BFI. And I went on crutches. Like, he just had to stop me going because it was raining. And like I was going on the bus and I just had like a, one sock on and one shoe and I was going down the, <laughs> down this slippery road. But I'd already paid for the ticket, so I wanted to see like Peckinpah's uh, noon wine, which you just can't get anywhere. It was like a videotape transfer that they put on some uh, Jason Robards TV play. And uh, anyway, went to the BFI, right? It was just horrendous. Getting from the bus stop to the beer, to the National Film Theatre bit was just the most... Well, the thing is, that particular sort of block is almost impossible to navigate. It is, even with both legs, yeah. yeah. It's just all concrete stairs, isn't it, essentially? Yeah, and I ended up getting down it. Slippery got in, I got it down stairs. sweating as well, right? Yeah. It's, it's like January the 12th, and I'm sweating in the mm. freezing cold. And I walked into the BFI, yeah, went up in that tiny little lift. And then I walked into the bar and she was sitting there, was having a little meeting. And I was, uh, I told the kids it was the best birthday ever. <laughs> I appreciate that. But she's great in the Dodgy and the Mid, isn't she? Yeah. Really, really good. Not great in St. Trinian's. I haven't seen that. One of the worst films I've ever seen. Really? Terrible. Although, and Misha Barton's in it as well. I know we're not supposed to be talking about babes today, Steve, to use a, the parlance of our times. Also, when you sat down to watch St. Trinian's, did you think this is probably going to be good? No, I thought Amara Karen's in this and Misha <laughs> Barton. We're going to be talking about May Day, Steve. Yeah. As a happy May Day. Happy May Day, yeah. Happy First of all, Steve, I've got an exciting announcement for our listeners. If you go on the South London Hardcore website, southlondonhardcore.com, and you click shop at the top, you can now buy South London Hardcore compact disc. What? So A compact disc? Exactly. MP3s. No, you can buy episodes 1 to 10, and this is episode 20, so you can buy episodes 11 to 20, and they're £5 each plus postage. We've gone the Mark Maron route. We've gone the, the Maron route, yeah. 50p an episode. Or, if you want an audio CD, it's £1 an episode, yeah. You'll see all the links on there. You'll work it out. You specify what episode you want, and we'll send you the CDs in the post. Several reasons for this, Steve. You're looking at me, uh, you're not it's sure about this. No, well, uh, but let me tell you. I don't want to outline any problems I might think there are with it. Two things, right? Three yeah. things. A, might get some charity buys. People going, look, these boys are working hard. The least that I can do is send them six quid on PayPal, right? <laughs> Two, there's some people thinking, I'll tell you who would love this. My friend who doesn't have iTunes, they don't understand what a podcast is. If I give them an audio CD with these people talking about South London, they'd love it. That's a good point. That's a market I'd ignored. Yeah, there you go. And three, yesterday, I went to download something. I won't say what it was because I don't want to get in trouble with anyone. From Pirate Bay the popular torrent website gone. and it said it's not gone it's, it's not, not gone, gone but yeah, but now inaccessible from certain yeah servers. from uh, virgin media yeah a quite a significant step in that finally ips 
uh, internet service providers, ISPs, sorry, <laughs> not uh, not internet protocol addresses, whatever they're called, are taking a stand against piracy. And that's always what it was going to take, I think, is that the people who actually provide your internet, essentially the people who are making money out of piracy, because I don't really make any money. I can't afford to buy anything because I'm so broke. Yeah. I can't afford to buy um certain albums or movies or whatever so if i don't download them illegally i won't hear them or see them so nobody's losing out you know in a way yeah whereas virgin media are making money out of you know the fact that you want internet access to get exactly so they've finally kind of taken a stand and i mean it's only the first step you can still get pirate bay from other websites you know kind of redirected or you can go on iso hunt i don't want to be advertising (laughs) but i'm wondering is it possible that at some point we're going to look back on this this period, less than 10 years. You know, I got broadband fairly early, yeah? Not that early. But I was into, say, downloading illegally quite early, which was, you know, 2004. Right, so that's eight years. And we're going to look back, and you know, in 50 years' time ago. Do you remember that eight-year period where you could just get anything you wanted for free? I think what will happen is things like Pirate Bay will just constantly migrate. They will. There was that talk of on the more stories. He suggested that um, they were going to be keeping their servers in planes and just constantly <laughs> yeah, moving out. Yeah. <laughs> Seems unlikely, doesn't it? <laughs> but no, I mean obviously they are right. I don't imagine we are. You know, these things are going to get ruled out. But at the end of the day, like if you've got a hard copy in your home, I kind of, I do kind of fear that I've got all these. I've got loads of CDs, and I thought, oh, maybe I should just get rid of these. I don't have the space. They're not worth any money, so you're not going to get anything from them. And I thought, hang on a minute, what if one day it all get, it gets wiped and I can't get New Morning? Yeah. You know, I want to listen to uh, Day of the Locust. Well, there's always a danger of your hard drive at some point. Just yeah, like, and I always think, just get it again, but it's not as simple as that, man. You go over to your shelf, Steve, pull out South London Hardcore, any episode, and listen to it. So our um, sales appeal is based on people ignoring the emergence of digital. Exactly, man. <laughs> Stock up, man. Keep it in your uh, bomb shelters. And like, Steve, you laugh, yeah? But in your front room, you've got <laughs> folders piled on folders that are full of printouts from Wikipedia. <laughs> Can you just confirm that's true? That is true. That is true. In my defence, and it's a terrible defence, uh, I prayed all that when I worked at Waterstones, uh, just because uh, I figured it's all stuff that I've cross-referenced for various... Uh, Things. It's just easy access. Essentially, I've made books about certain subjects based on Wikipedia entries. Uh, so I don't have to be online to read things and they're already cross-referenced. Yeah, man. And it costs me nothing. So, you know. No. What doesn't cost... What costs you nothing on the internet, stuff on Hardcore, go on iTunes and get it. But if you uh, want a hard copy... I guess people could just burn their own hard copies, couldn't they? There's that. Don't this burn is... your own hard copy. Go to southlandhardcore.com, <laughs> click shop, Buy some stuff. We're also available for after dinner speaking and there's sponsorship available for the show. Advertising space on the website. I think we've got time for one more plug as well, Steve. On Wednesday this week, the 9th of May. Probably what we'd call our first live show. Although it's not really. It's someone else's show that we're going to be associated with. Um, at Gosh Comics, the shop that I work at, there's a monthly reading group uh, where we read a couple of comics um, usually one larger work and then a small press piece which is a bit smaller um, hence the name isn't it hence the name 
they tend to have uh, an interview or video from the creator of the larger work and usually the creators of the smaller work manage to come along which is nice so you get a proper big discussion about the main book and then a nice chance to talk to creators about their processes and techniques in the second part and I've sort of I've been working on it since the start as a representative from Gosh there's two guys Mark and Mike Mike actually works at Gosh now uh, who set the group up and organise it through Gosh uh, and basically we host it uh, but they asked me, because I've been involved with it from the start, they just said, one month, would I like to nominate um, a couple of books? Would I like to nominate a larger book and a small press book uh, for people to discuss? And I was like, I'd love to. Yes, Punisher War Journal. <laughs> Punisher Born. But um, this was, yeah, around about the same time we started the show, just after we started the show. And uh, I thought, well, I'd like to do something related to South London because that would be nice and it would be a chance to talk about the podcast as well um, so I chose and also uh, a friend of mine who also works at the shop Julia uh, has done art on a new Shirley. probably as close as I've ever got to pronounce it like right? Egon a little bit yeah um, has done the art for a book called uh, Peckham Invalids which uh, is obviously set in Peckham and that's a small press book for this month so I chose From Hell uh as the larger book, the Alan Moore, Eddie Campbell, exploration of space-time through the murders of Jack the Ripper, um, which is just a wonderful... We won't make thing. too much comment on it. I no, mean, we can't get to it. It's, it's so hard for me not to start eulogising yeah, it. Yeah, What makes it great, which is, you know... Epic, what, isn't it? ...what the whole thing's going to be about. But yeah, if you want to come along, uh, read, try and read From Hell in the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah, if you can read From Hell tonight... And maybe reread it tomorrow night. That will give you all the ground you need. But maybe what time is it, Steve? Starts from seven. Um, Gosh, comics number one, Berwick Street. Free entry. Absolutely free. Do you get beverage? There's tea and coffee. There is free tea and coffee. What type of coffee is it? Nescafe, the best kind of coffee. No, but like instant. Yeah, yeah bad, bad instant coffee. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Biscuits? Nah. If you bring some, you're more than welcome to eat them. Yeah. Actually, don't because you're going to make a mess of our Yeah, it'd be like up. crumbs on. Yeah. But um, crumbs on crumb. Yeah, it's uh, it is. Uh, I mean, the thing is, obviously, you realistically will not have time to read from hell between listening to this and coming along. But if you've read from hell, yeah, I imagine most people listening to this have read from hell. You say that, but that a is a of, joke. Well, but... a lot of people in the group hadn't read from hell, and now I'm getting people moaning at me because it's so big, and I'm like, I'm not going to apologise for making you read one of the best things ever. I'm not even going to call it comics or books ever. It's one of the best things that humans have ever made. When you said we could do an episode on um, May Day. Yeah. And we could talk about folklore. Yeah. I it occurred to me that I had no idea what May Day was. I really? thought it was just a day where you rioted. <laughs> well, yeah, the sort of modern significance has become International Workers' Day. And I didn't realise that. I'd never oh, right, known okay. the link between oh, those just two things. Yeah, was... I know I mean it May Day, you know, this today the May Day protests have turned ugly, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um but and I didn't realise that's also Labour Day. Well, I mean, May Day's fascinating, just to go into that particular context of it. Um, something struck me a couple of years ago, I was reading a, a Dickens novel, I can't remember which one it is, it might have been Great Expectations or the old Curiosity Shop, but there was a character in it who um, was a worker, and uh, you realise that the one day's holiday he got all year was May Day. <laughs> He would like work Christmas Day, and like there's what a scene. What day is it, sir? Why it's May Day? <laughs> but there's a scene where uh, it's May Day, and he has the day off, and he goes out with his sister, and uh, they carouse, and they just have this wonderful day. And he's back to the song the next day, and it really struck me. Like, imagine you know, 
people complain about their jobs. Now, there's rightly so because some people have terrible jobs and there's awful conditions and whatnot. Tell but relatively that. speaking, you know, imagine that you'd work 364 days a year. You'd get what you'd work Sundays. You work seven days a week, every week except for one day of the year that you got off. That would be your day. Well, you could do anything you want, but you got to be back at work the next day. Amazing, isn't it? Go down the Vauxhall Pleasure Garden. That would be it. That was what they would do. They would take the day and they would just go. They would uh, dress up nice, have a nice lunch. It's a bit of a um, non sequitur. Not really, though. Um, Game of Thrones this week, right? When they went to uh, Carth, finally. Yeah, yeah. It occurred to me that maybe it was a bit like the Vauxhall Pleasure Garden. Did you think that? <laughs> yeah, it would be that sort of thing, wouldn't it? It's, a, it's sort of like cordoned off and protected and you, oh, the gate's open and the inside is... It was bigger than I expected, Carth. Yeah. From outside, it looked like it was going to be like a fort. When they opened that, those gates, man, I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, it was great. It's tremendous, isn't it? Those, those uh, castles on the uh, side of the cliffs yeah. the other week were just amazing, man. Yeah, when I suggested uh, May Day as a subject and folklore as a, as a broader subject, I wasn't sure what sort of response I'd get from you because I'm fascinated by this. You, on the other hand... Well, yeah, you are fascinated by it, Steve. You used to run the Mind, Body and Spirit section at... Waterstones in Piccadilly and didn't see it as a burden people seemed to think it was bizarre that I'd happily take it on oh, I used to run the popular science section at uh, um, Oxford Street Waterstones the one that's closed down and I'm embarrassed by the way I used to treat it Steve like I've since read like several books from it I, I treated it in an awful way you were just very cursory and I didn't. I didn't, I didn't go anywhere near it yeah. just if the weekend people would have to shove the books but yeah, um, yeah, you you have a, an interest in things like conspiracy theories yeah. and the occult, yeah. and I I'm not sure how much of it you believe. But partly, I don't really, almost don't want to know. I don't want you to shatter my illusions by going. No, I'm just interested in it because because it's interesting. I'm I and this we're gonna I'm gonna just briefly go back to from hell for a second. I'm fascinated by the stories that humans make up. And how stories define humans and human define stories, and how these two. I think our capacity for imagination and storytelling is our greatest gift, it's our greatest curse. I think it's a fascinating aspect uh, to humanity. And I, I, for me personally, these subjects, like with conspiracy theories, I see them as nothing more than modern folklore. I think it's a way, I think folklore grew out of the fact that we didn't have science, I think there was phenomena around us. And to explain it away, we'd make up stories. And that's how we understand the world, through stories. And I've got no problem with that. And I think with conspiracy theories, the world, even though we've got science now, there's still things that bewilder us. There's still things that we don't understand. The focus of the show is going to be May Day specifically. Because we're recording this just after May Day itself. But the bank holiday is actually the day this is going to come Oh, so May Day is always the first of May. May Day is the first, but the bank holiday is the first Monday of uh, the month. Mm. So essentially... You get to, I mean, the protest happened on the 1st of May. That is international work, because that is May Day. The rituals will take place. But some of the rituals we'll talk about will take place on the 1st of May, but are replicated on the actual bank holiday. So some of the people we're going to talk about will perform the rituals twice. May is a month that is shrouded in uh, superstition and folklore. Um, There is an idea that generally it's an unlucky month. There's a uh, an old saying which I'd heard before, but never really understood until I was sort of made the force with you. That's a more recent one, but that's an example. It is a, it's a month that attracts uh, you know Star Wars days in the middle. The Ides of May. <laughs> Beware the Ides of May. 
we'll, we'll, we'll get on to uh, the darling buds of May. We'll, we'll, we will mention that. Oh right, because so there is start, start yeah, it's fine. But like, is it, this is the thing: the fact that there are phrases. You've got to think on your own. We do that. There's a phrase near cast a clout till May is out. What do you imagine that means? And if I show it to you written down, it's an old um, Jamaican phrase. Yeah, near cast a clout till May is out. Is what he said. What it means is, don't wash any blankets till May is out. And even then, mm. May itself has different interpretations. The, people are unsure whether the origin lies in the in the actual month of May, but sometimes May was synonymous with the hawthorn bush. So it's either you wait till May is finished or you wait till the hawthorn uh, blooms. And the phrase darling buds of May, people are unsure whether that refers to May as a month or the actual flowers of the hawthorn bush. But the phrase near cast a clout till May is out, the idea is... You shouldn't wash blankets specifically, but essentially any cloth. You shouldn't wash your clothes in May. And if you did wash your clothes in May, it would mean you would be unlucky and possibly someone would die. Which is quite an extreme... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not too sure what sort of evidence stacked up for that. No. It's an odd one, because like, with a lot of... Like, like everything you're going to refer to is even none. <laughs> but you can sort of... Sometimes you can see the origins of things. But with that yeah, one, strange one, it is an odd one. Um... More generally, as say, it's seen as an unlucky month. If you're born in May, uh, you're seen as an unlucky child. It was uh, my brother's uh, 25th birthday a couple of days ago. Of course ago. it was, in May, yeah. So it's worked out right for him so far. Fine, very, isn't it? very handsome. Yep. So. Lovely guy. He's alright. <laughs> He's my favourite Macklemore. I mean, there's no doubt about Top that. Top six. <laughs> um, for cats, kittens born in May were believed to be bad mousers or would grow up to be bad mousers so the tradition was you would drown them people would if, if, if your cat gave birth in May you'd sort of give up on those kittens they were pointless so they would just be drowned another uh, May Day tradition which I'd never heard of again until reading about it uh, for this was the idea that if you wash your face with dew on May Day uh, it clears up your complexion you don't get freckles, you get a nice... You get so much dew, you can wash your face in it. Well, this is the thing. This is where the origin of folklore from more rural times. And I've actually found a quote from uh, Samuel Pepys' diaries where he talks about uh, Mayday Jew. Um, After dinner, my wife away down with Jane and W. Hewer to Woolwich, South London related, in order to a little air and to lie there tonight and so to gather May Jew tomorrow morning which Mrs. Turner hath taught her is the only thing in the world to wash her face with, and I am contented with it. I think he's just glad to get a night away from the sound of things. But, um, yeah, the fact that uh, Woolwich, clearly this time, would have been uh, a rural area, wouldn't it? It would have been the village that we talked about uh, in the earlier episode before the town, the, to- the town grows around it. But, yeah, so we're getting back to the idea of South London as being a much more rural place. And the idea, yeah, this again, it's a, a tradition that we would find hard to imagine. Where would you go to gather your Jew? Peckham, right, possibly. But yeah, the idea was, uh, and it, it seems to be the only positive uh, superstition to do with May Day, because there's other traditions, obviously. But um, yeah, so you don't wash your clothes, but you do wash your face, and you do drown a cat. So it's a wet month. This is, <laughs> this is the assumption that they're making. There's a lot of moisture going around, and how you're going to use it is going to basically sort out how the rest of your year is going to go. 
more famous Mayday traditions, the Maypole. Dancing around it. Yeah. We've all seen the images. Um, our friend, Nick. Oh, Nick Walden, formerly of Walden Station, as in uh, Clapham. Lovely guy. Um, and a Morris dancer. And, you know, traditional English dancer. So he would... I've never spoken to him about it swiftly. I'll lay money on the table. That guy's dancing around the Maypole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, I no. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting tradition. There's a lot of... Uh, Theories as to what it could possibly be. Shall I wait for that to go? No. What you should do, Steve, just ignore sirens. Because yeah. otherwise, there's times where so yeah. I'm talking and there's sirens on. You go, I'll wait for that. So now it's a cut from me with a siren. <laughs> it just cuts to no siren. Right? So do that, <laughs> good, good, uh, good tip. There's various uh, theories as to the origin of the Maypole. Um, some people see it as uh, a hangover from tree worship. There's a history of uh, tree worship. The Golden Bough by Fraser is all about sort of folklore being drawn from tree, which again comes from the Norse idea of uh, the universe essentially being a tree, and it could be a hangover from that. There's an obvious uh, phallic overtone to the whole thing, and people think it could be connected to the worship of Priapus, a, a Roman god of fertility. There's also uh, the sort of spring, uh, you know prospects of a good harvest you know as you're sowing your seeds so there's a, a fertility thing in terms of you can see the maypole as uh, a, a vegetative growth that would uh, you know bode well for the coming year the most famous maypole in South London probably uh, was the one at Kennington yeah and it would be um, essentially Morris men dancing around children dancing around and basically it would be a chance for uh, the village to gather and a lot of uh, these traditions are uh, communal things as I say for a lot of people this would have been their only day off of the year so it's an excuse for a party and it's an excuse for everyone it's you know the one time that everyone's definitely not going to work they didn't work. literally work 364 days did they some people did some people well what were the options what yeah, workaholics were they they just loved it yeah <laughs> well you're talking about a time when can't get away from it's the not only Stalin. it's not we just pre- uh, trade unions the very idea of it you know there was no such thing as Saturday no, was there no you, you, you're you talking about a transition from serfdom from the idea of people being indentured if not slaves then indentured workers who were essentially owned by a feudal lord even as as late as uh, a Christmas carol you know a lot is made of the fact that uh, Scrooge expects um, Bob to turn up on Christmas Day morning and Bob has to beg for half a day off to see his family. That wasn't uncommon. That was pretty Fit in a leave form, and we'll, we'll see. Apparently, Bob put on the form that he wanted to do some Christmas shopping, and it all cut off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've got the Maypole, which is, you know, possibly tree worship, fertility, in terms of humans or uh, the harvest. You've got the May Queen as well, um, which was... Uh, usually a a young girl nominated uh, amongst the local community to wear white, to be decorated with flowers and to lead the procession, to lead the dance. Um, That's another uh, tradition that was very strong in South London. Your dad uh, put a picture up on uh, Facebook recently. It's a wonderful photograph. I'll have to get him to dig it out again and put it up on the website. It's uh, the May Queen of Woolworth. Um, being kissed uh, by a vicar 
in a in what looks to be a massively inappropriate way. It's just <laughs> this incredible photograph. But um, yeah, I just love the idea of the May Queen of Woolworth. But and apparently that was uh, yeah a long time tradition. I, I've, I've as far as I know, it's uh, not still going on now. Um, the most famous and longest standing in South London, and one of the longest standing in the country actually, uh, Bromley and Hayes Common uh, have a May Day parade and party, and the May Queen of uh, Hayes is yeah one of the most famous in the country. You don't go there, Steve. Never been. No, never heard of it. But again, it's another with the whole sort of floral decorations. It's another sort of celebration. I of feel with, with these uh, these things, Steve. We're moving away from um, what you've suggested. What is fascinating? Uh, one of the best non-fiction books I've read lately is uh, David Aronovich's uh, mm. Voodoo Histories. Yeah, you know, history of conspiracy theories and how they then go on to affect history. Um, you know, actual history. And also, partly how you know they're not just these kind of funny stories. They are; they can be damaging. Mm. Um, brilliant book, you know. Have a look. But that's not what we're talking about now, is it? We're not talking about you know this, what you were saying earlier about how you know humans create stories. We're talking about a bunch of people who do a silly dance. Well, I think this is the thing. I think we when we look at all the aspects of May Day, because the, the 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 third major part is the Jack in the Green again, the tradition of the Green Man, the fertility god. Who, who's usually a trickster and again tied into human fertility in terms of being a sexual creature and also in terms of uh, you know worship for the harvest and that's a very strong tradition in South London uh, well, the, the green man there's a load of pubs called it what yeah, does it mean? it is essentially he's a character who basically is like a hangs a, around sweet corn tins he's a, he's a nature spirit He's a spirit of uh, the woods and the woodlands. And as I say, he's tied into tree worship. But also, people do see an obvious link with... The Incredible Hulk. Fertility. Fertility. Uh, And this is the thing. I think if you look at the three... If you take those three main symbols of the Maypole, uh, the May Queen, and the Jack in the Green, which are all May Day traditions, all uh, very English, and all have connections in South London, um, you've got... And this is this is the the sort of the storytelling aspect that I like, and it is it's obviously during the Victorian era it would have been sort of scaled back a lot, but essentially you've got uh, a woman in white who's covered in flowers, uh, a trickster spirit connected with fertility, uh, dancing around a huge phallic symbol. It's a massive fertility ritual essentially, and a, a lot of these, a lot of what you see in traditional British folklore is essentially paganism. And it seems to me a lot of the pagan rituals were co-opted by uh, the, the Christians. Well, Christmas, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Christ- Christmas and Easter being the two main ones, where with Christmas you've got the midwinter feast that's turned into the birth of the Saviour. And then in Easter you've got the pagan ritual of uh, the new season of rebirth and regrowth turned into the resurrection of that same saviour and I, I thought it was interesting that you've got May Day which seems to have like sneaked under the radar it, there's no Christian elements to it whatsoever there's nothing it's not been co-opted at all by any religions it's clearly been tidied up a little bit because I imagine uh, it was probably a lot Nudity, more raw well there's there's, uh, there's uh, the idea that originally the May Queen would have been sacrificed as a virgin, <laughs> but they can't do it anymore. Can you? Uh, yeah, health and safety, isn't it? 
But the um the Green Man made in Deptford on each May Day is the largest in the country. Oh. Yeah. And um it's put together by uh the Morris men of Deptford. Um and then on the actual bank holiday they bring it down to the coast, they bring it down to Hastings for another uh May Day celebration. So How do they transport it? Uh, on a huge truck, and it's but it, it's reflowered as well. It's sort of rebuilt essentially. So it's like the core of it, and this is part of the tradition of building the, the, the Jack and the Green. Is you take the core of it and then you decorate it with flowers and shrubbery and, and build it into this huge. Uh, so and essentially that will die off over the week, and then it's stripped down and rebuilt again uh, for the thing. So you've got the sort of resurrection resurrection aspects there as well. More broadly, uh, South London has uh, quite a rich tradition. Of the occult and mysterious. Um, have you heard of the Order of the Golden Dawn? No. They're probably the most famous magical group of the 19th century. <laughs> which is all relative, isn't it? <laughs> it's all relative. Who's the second most? <laughs> <laughs> well, Alistair Crowley was a member of that. And his, oh, um, I've heard of him in it. Nursed yeah. in Crowley's uniform. Bowie. Bowie, I was going to say, yeah. The Bewley Brothers. That's great, isn't it? What a great track, man. It's the last track on, is it um, Hunky Dory? Or is it Ziggy Stardust? The last track of his I was thinking Ziggy Stardust, but Hungry for me, gravy. One of the key members of uh, the Order of the Golden Dawn was a, a girl called Annie Horniman. As in the Horniman Museum? As in the Horniman Museum, yeah. She was uh, the daughter of uh, the man who, whose collection essentially has established the Horniman Museum, obviously, whose house went on to you know, become the home of whose the Horniman Museum. Horniman's house but for a while there um, the actual Order of the Golden Dawn was based more or less in Forest Hill at uh, the Horniman's uh, house Um, key members were given jobs around the house uh, on the staff essentially Um, and it's interesting I went to a talk about the Golden Dawn uh, a couple of years ago and it fascinated me that, you know, there's this, you know, key part of the, the group's history uh, at a place that records history, at a museum. And I asked the woman who'd done the talk if in the archives or in the collection of the home there's anything to indicate. And apparently they've got, like, paintings and they've got bits and pieces, but they don't put anything on display and they, have, they give no acknowledgement whatsoever to any connection with the Order of the Golden Dawn. Which is fascinating, really, because you'd imagine it would be another facet for them to talk about and another thing for them to sort of... Is there much of a Crowley South London connection? Don't give it to me now. Just give me a yes or no, Steve. No. Oh, that's a shame. But, arguably, we've got our own magician from South London who's as interesting, if not more interesting, Austin Osmond Spare. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Uh, He was an artist and magician, um, he wasn't as important as Crowley. Crowley's probably the most important character from uh, that whole period. Spare was a bit later, but was um, a sort of a key figure in uh, early 20th century British occultism. Um, my favourite Austin Osmond Spare story was uh, when he lived in Brixton during the Second World War and was in his studio painting and the building was bombed. And the roof came in and he was crushed. To and, death. No, not to death. Survived. But um, lost the use of the right side of his body uh, as a part of the injuries that he sustained. Um, 
So basically spent a year to 18 months practicing with his left hand to paint and draw. Um, and practiced and practiced and practiced and eventually got to a point where he could paint and draw as well with his left hand as he ever could with his right. And he said the first time he did a piece of work that he was happy with his left hand and with his right, all feeling came back into the right side of his body. So he's also a liar. Like that, <laughs> that obviously didn't happen, did it, Steve? It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, well, he, his take on it was, and there are some people that say that magic isn't real. And it's, it's clearly... <laughs> it's clearly uh, yeah, that, some people say that. <laughs> it's clearly propaganda uh, on his part. But uh, I, I love that story. Uh, fascinating story. And it is. This is what we're talking about at the start of the show. It's people telling stories about themselves and others. Print the legends. Absolutely. Always. Print the legends. Keep it in a folder in your front room. Which you need to refer to it later. <laughs> and cross-reference it with uh, other legends. Um, South London also has uh, its share of big cats. We talked about the uh, Sydenham... Uh... Beast. Yeah, Beast of Sydenham. And also, there's the Palace Puma as well, which is another one that uh, people have seen. They've never photographed it, and uh, there's inconsistent reports, but it's possible there's... Uh, Millwall lionesses. Millwall lionesses, of course. How did you get to big cats, though, Steve? Just other South London occult traditions. That's not a cult, though, is it? No, but it's folklore. Yeah, that's yeah. the folklore is just... Things that people probably made that up. That ain't gone true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Unverifiable <laughs> phenomena. It's odd things that... Millwall uh, winning a wartime cult. My favourite story that I uncovered uh, reading about this was about the curse of Crystal Palace. In the 20s... John Bostock. Yeah, this is no, it. No one's, not, just say no, one's, no one's untouched. <laughs> it, it does continue to stay. Um, in the 20s, Crystal Palace had a goalkeeper called Billy Callender who committed suicide by hanging himself from the crossbar at Sellers Park. And apparently the idea was his ghost haunted the ground. Mm. Also, apparently, Sellers Park itself is built over an orchard that was cursed by gypsies mm. that were arrested for stealing apples from the orchard. So a lot of Crystal Palace fans saw... Plus Ron Nodes was in charge for a period. But even before Ron Nodes, people, uh, people were going... Well, this is clearly why we're not winning games <laughs> because of a gypsy curse <laughs> and a haunt, haunting from a goalie. So, Malcolm Allison, a man not afraid of publicity, uh, came up with a solution in 1977. <laughs> he recruited a celebrity psychic who I've never heard of before called Romark. R O M A R K. Have you ever heard of Romark? No, no I mean, either. Um, he was essentially, as far as I can tell, the sort of like David Copperfield, David Blaine of his day. Um, his most famous uh, claim up to that point was he said his psychic powers were so strong he claimed he could be blindfolded and drive through the streets of London uh, without a problem and people said are you prepared to be tested on this he went of course I'm psychic I'm prepared to be tested on this so he's blindfolded got into the car drove off and almost immediately crashed <laughs> Really? Yeah. You're a I mean, it's, it's like it's almost a shame he didn't get a bit far. And um, you'd imagine, I don't know, you, you wouldn't you sort of like do a prearranged route and you'd, I don't know, you could count on. There's a way to fake it, I'm sure. But he didn't bother. He, I think he actually thought he was psychic. But um, Malcolm Allison hired him to lift the gypsy curse from Sellers Park and exercise oh, well, that's the That's why Christmas Palace has been so successful in the last few well, years. Well, 
The problem was, Romark did that. He lifted the curse, and he exercised the ghost of Billy Callender. But then, he fell out with Malcolm Allison over payment. So Romark said, if you think the curse that you had before was bad, wait till you see the doozy <laughs> on this place now. Uh, and at that point, he laid a curse that couldn't be lifted, apparently. Right? No. And that is why... Even Attilio Lombardo could not lift that curse. All I'm saying is 1990, you know. Isn't maybe. That, maybe it could no have gone another way. Yeah. Could have gone another way. If only Malcolm Allison had let Romark hmm. weave his magic, literally. Possibly the most famous story relating to phenomena in South London. Blake in Peckham Row. Here be angels. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, William Blake um, saw angels in Peckham Row dancing through the trees. Yeah, there's a memorial just by um, Goose Green that I uh, pass on an almost daily basis. Is it the actual spot where it happens? Is that what they're saying? Or is it just I'm not sure. which is the area generally? Well, as far as I know, they don't know the exact No, because it's not actually on the Rye Park. It's on... Um, is it on Goose Green? It's just... No, yeah, it's on the, the uh, wall of of some houses, I think. Um, but on the kind of... You know the Goose Green, the Triangle of Grass? Yeah, yeah. Um, in East Dulwich. Um, there's a, pl- a kid's play park next to it and it's on the wall of that, basically. Oh, right. What does it say? I think it says the quote, man. I uh, saw some angels dancing. What was, <laughs> what was the quote? <laughs> Mine wasn't a quote. It was just me uh, outlining what happened. But I liked your quote. I liked your uh, Blakey and uh, prose there. I saw some angels dancing. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> William Blake. Something I learned about at the South East London Folklore Society, was uh, the Rat Queen of Rotherhive. You ever heard of her? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there's various uh, interpretations on the idea. She's either a human woman that can control the rats of the docks, <laughs> or a human-sized rat that occasionally takes human form to siren-like entice men away. And it's a, And this is another one where... This is humans telling stories that shape the area and mm. the area shaping the stories. Fleas the size of rats and uh, rats the size of cats. This is the thing. You're, if you're in the docks, you're surrounded by sailors who are desperate to see women everywhere and rats. So it's obvious that they're going to conflate the idea. And, <laughs> and also, it explains why disappearances, isn't it? Where's uh, Billy on the Rat Queen going? No further questions, yeah. Your Honor. <laughs> We've covered it. He's definitely gone off with the Rat Queen. Have you heard anything tonight that's uh, convinced you there could be anything in any of these stories? No, it's all... Uh... My attitude, Steve, is the same uh, as my attitude when we're at Wartstones, right? We used to work on the third floor together, didn't we? We did. For... Uh... Till they realise and split. Yeah, it was only about <laughs> six months, wasn't it? Glorious, though, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was to the day of my sister's wedding, actually. The day before my sister got married. It was my oh, last right. day on the third floor. I used to run the... Um... Film? No, I didn't run the film section there. You used to order for the tables and fill them up. <laughs> <laughs> Much to uh, Andrew's chagrin. <laughs> no, I used to run the music section. What was the other section I ran? Maybe it was just... Oh, recommend, staff recommends. Oh, right, yeah. And uh, used to run the uh, Mind, Body, Spirit and stuff. And, and I used and to... sport. 
And sport, yeah, 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 quite a lot of sections. But I remember I used to generally just follow you round while you were shelving. <laughs> so I'd just be picking books. I'd go, "Ah, oh, Steve, what's uh, what's the golden bow? What's the golden boff?" You'd be like, <laughs> "That's the golden bow, Jack. That's a classic of." Uh... And yeah, we, I picked up a book once about auras. You did. I seem to remember having a really nice cover though. It was kind of a silhouette with like um, some like bright colours around it and stuff. Well, we could go to pick it in and pick it off the shelf and look, couldn't we? Well, yeah, I've kind of threw the book on top of the shelves and it went right down the back. That's right. So we can't actually see what it looks like. Yeah, it was it was a so natural way you did it. You just went, this is rubbish, and just threw it into the air. You no longer work there, and to be fair, it's probably best all round, <laughs> isn't it? I don't miss it. No, I do miss it, man. It was um, it was great. At times. Yeah, it was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. Pop along on Wednesday. Gosh Comics number one, Berwick Street to. Uh, the number one comic shop in London, number one Berwick Street. Since Skinny Malink closed down. <laughs> there's, there's no other competition, is there? Since uh, Adventures into Comics closed down, oh, Steve, you're number one. Yeah. Spent £7 on um, Punisher War Journal number one there, right? There was a sticker on the list at £8, so. If you come along Wednesday, you'll hear me tell a story that directly links from Hell with Adventure into Comics, but not in terms of me buying it or anything. It is a place. And the book. Yeah. Excellent.